a fucking assassin. I haven't watched the soap opera. I mean, not more than like five to ten minutes because somebody else. Not, no, I don't think anybody in my family really watches them. My great-grandma did so much just every day. I think my mom does like occasionally, but I think it's more like a step in and just see where things are at, not like religiously watch yeah. them. Yeah, I've I've watched a good amount because my mom watches them, and my characters are absolutely accurate to a soap opera. I feel like it's all just oh yeah. Cheating I mean, the whole point of shit. a soap opera, yeah, yes. the whole point of the soap opera is that everybody's fucking somebody or related to somebody without it being common knowledge, just or yet. both. <laughs> they're fucking someone they're related to without it being common knowledge. <laughs> so Star Wars, yeah, yes. So Star Wars or. <laughs> This week's episode of Midweek Matinee's movie Portrait of a Lady on Fire, where someone doesn't know that two people are having sex. Blake, how are you doing this week? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, bud? I'm doing pretty well. Brett, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well. Just came down from the high of the movie that I think you described as super gay. It was hella gay. Hella gay. I'm sorry. Yeah, don't, hella don't let gay. Me, uh, yeah, don't let me misinterpret your, your words or misrepresent your choice of word. No, for sure. Uh, starting a new genre like this is very... Uh, you know. It is. I've already put the petition in the Netflix to start mm-hmm. the hella gay category. If anything, I think it was... I said we're going to watch some hella gay shit. Hella gay shit. That's what it was. Yes. 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 So that's the category. Hella gay shit. So, what did you give this movie, or uh, how did you feel about this movie? <laughs> how Brett? many stars, Brett? <laughs> what did I give? Well, the, the, I, right now. Thank you for the, listening to Midweek Matinee. How many stars this, did you give this? <laughs> this may have been the shortest episode we've ever done. <laughs> yes, how did so, you like it? Um, it was interesting. I enjoyed it, but it's a movie that, as I was watching, I kept thinking to myself, like internally. As much as I think it's a a good movie and there's a uh-huh. lot of great stuff going on with it, I don't necessarily know how to talk about it. Dude, same. Sure. Now, I have some ideas that that become too light in the way they choose to kind of represent things, and I guess in a way of storytelling late in the movie. But for the most part, I was just watching like, this is good and I like it. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> Fair I was enough. hoping that I wasn't going to be the the one person out where like y'all were going to be talking circles around me and I was just going to be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see if you take a uh, Blake. How did you feel about this episode of uh, Midweek? I love this episode <laughs> of Midweek <laughs> Matinee. It's great. I've enjoyed it so far. Sure. I can't wait to hear what everyone else has to say later. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the movie? Man, I really uh, liked Portrait the movie. of a Lady on Fire. So yeah, it was excellent. It's it was just incredibly well made and well shot and the acting was mm-hmm. super good. I just don't yeah. like kinda like Brett, like I don't relate, obviously, like at all. So it's hard for me to really like click with the characters, I guess, in a way, you know. You don't relate to wanting to just pound a woman? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> if or anything, just falling I think in love this with might someone, be the most the relatable about. movie I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I kind of with, agree like, with Brett. the trials and tribulations <laughs> that come with being a lesbian in like the olden days because I don't really know when this takes place I, but okay but like this is a good starting point already yeah. though right while of course I'm not saying that that clearly being a lesbian in those time period like was not rough but this movie to me is actually more about the fact that women don't have autonomy over themselves than it is about the fact that it's i don't think anybody shuns them for being a lesbian of course it's not common knowledge but 
The movie's more about how they can't be together, less because it's taboo to be lesbian, and more because this woman knows that she doesn't have the autonomy to choose for herself who she marries, and rather, in this society, in this world, it, it yeah. ends up being up to the men. You know, like it's expected parents. that she's going to marry this guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is you mentioned men, and interestingly, this movie, the her she's being oppressed by a woman like her mother is the one doing it to her it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with outside of the fact that she's been given to a man it has nothing to do with like a man forcing her into anything it's the, her mother is yeah. the one doing it to it, her it's the parents yeah. like back then that did that kind of shit well yeah. it's the lack of autonomy through tradition i think is what it is and you know when people look at that time period and think about that the idea that people still kind of bring to all it still ends up being men in the long run is because that tradition was typically set by men yeah absolutely sure. yeah i just more found it interesting that you immediately went to like oh being oppressed by men when like it, just outside of this it, just in this movie specifically you're right she's not There's being oppressed hardly by men. any men yeah. and ironically actually the one woman who does have freedom of choice marianne, oh, marianne. Hel- yeah. yeah marianne has complete autonomy yeah. over herself that's true and it's because of her father's actions you're right you're right it's almost like it's more about the uh, the oppression of uh you know familial expectations yeah but there is an, an idea across the whole movie, though, I should say, and that's kind of why it came in, to where it's like the movie goes out of its way to make it where men are very scarcely represented. Yeah. And it's almost because it's like saying that when you have uh, no men and then with the mother being gone, taking the authoritative position over the household, you have this gaggle of free loving free spirit <laughs> women who are just getting together and doing what they want yeah the gaggle gaggle of women they're not geese word of the day <laughs> listen i'm choosing to use gaggle because i think it's a funny I word i prefer coven <laughs> also that's not fair though because the reason that i don't know if you know this but because you know geese are pretty like they're loud so whenever you're not referring Whoa. to geese and you call something a gaggle with this? it's a, it's <laughs> It's considered a okay, people, Colin a group of Moriarty. people who are being loud and like obnoxious, <laughs> which yeah. I guess in the context of the movie, when they're out around the feast and fire, they are kind of being loud. Yeah, that's true. That Off is to a true. great start here, um, <laughs> Blake. How did you feel about the representation of that? Because that's an interesting point he does bring up. The um, you know, just like the whole, you know, men. Yeah, it's <laughs> like men. I didn't fucking, really, honestly, fucking men. I didn't think too much about it past the point that, like, there wasn't any men in the movie besides like the boat, her husband guy, and her husband. Like towards the end, there were some, yeah, for sure. But like throughout, like yeah. while they're on the island and stuff, there's like nobody in the house but those three. And so, right, I didn't really think too much of it. And like there was a couple of things that they said throughout, like each of them, like. Marianne too, the painter, talking about like she's not allowed to paint like men, like model, like nude models, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So there was obviously some things pointed to like, I mean it's kind of a loaded term in twenty twenty one, but like the patriarchy <laughs> and shit like that. But you know, you know, like I said, you have this clear choice of showing a group of women of what seems to be all walks of life coming together 
and kind of like banding arms and being like, you know, when we don't have the uh, the uh, the oppression of authority, and in that time period, as you mentioned, I mean, patriarchy is considered the authority. Then that's mm. where you kind of come down to. And now, while the mother still acts as the authoritative figure, the it's her authority is to betroth her to another man so that she benefits in the long run. So it still ends up being in the long run about that struggle of women being more or less weighed down by men not that you know kind of like you deal with across the board it doesn't mean all men are bad it's just in the time period that's how things were and there was less of a feeling that you could do something so there's like this freedom about everyone on the island when they're having their get together when the the you know mother's gone and it's just a joyous occasion and it's I, I guess it's, I, it's not an accurate description. I was going to say it's like Lord of the Flies with lesbians, but Lord <laughs> of the Flies actually ends terribly. So that's not, that's not a good does comparison. Does terribly though? Yeah, I mean that like, is true. I don't think but it's I would a happy argue ending. that it's not. It's not a happy ending, but at the same time, I wouldn't argue that it's an ending that's quite well, as bad yeah, as sure. watching a bunch of young boys govern themselves on an island to a disastrous degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't say they were equal. I just said I, I don't think this is a happy ending by any means. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, my, my sense there is it's more like the reason I even thought of it is like, you know, the Lord of the Flies is supposed to be about kids being stranded yeah. on an island without having to worry about the authority of parents. But then how that, that, that ends up being a situation where their choice to self-authorize themselves ends up kind of being a problem. But this is more like you're seeing the in-between when it's just a carefree and love of like, hey, look, guys, we're on an island with nobody telling us what we can and can't do. Yeah. I'm trying to. I was trying to figure out how big the island was too, because there's like a town yeah, on it. It's hard to tell. All right, like some some kind of like <clears throat> village or something, but also, it just seemed so empty. Like I don't know. See, mm-hmm. my my question is, was it an island or was it just like a beach house? You know, because it's not or like she more could, of like a peninsula. But why did she have to go there by yeah, boat? And because it was it the 1700s, and but she it was also coming from. It doesn't imply where she was coming from that I was aware of. Which yeah, she was coming wrong. from Paris. And where was she going to? Where did this movie take place? They didn't, I, I, didn't I don't think they said that. that. I just know that they were like, oh, are you going to return to Paris? And then well, Heloise I mean, was being... France is on water, so... Uh, Heloise was being given to someone in Italy Milan. or Milan, yeah. Yeah. So I had something that I noticed during this movie. I'll be interested to hear Blake's take, mostly, because you're a horror fan. And yes, I agree. This this movie feels like the way they set up this movie. Once um, you get more of the sexual tension between the two of them, it felt like a horror movie. The whole thing did, I think. You know, yeah. Especially when she first got to the, I guess, castle. It seemed like a castle, mm-hmm. big estate, whatever. Like, yeah, everything about it was like she was creepily like sneaking around through the house, and. Yeah you know the whispering about you know what happened to like the previous sister and stuff and then when she first goes to meet um i'm probably gonna mispronounce it heloise eloise mm-hmm. she um like is standing down at the bottom of the stairs like with her hood on and it's all dark down there like it was never scary or anything but it just it gave me the vibes that like this is kind of fucking weird feeling like it just all feels like something bad's gonna happen <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it sets an uneasy tension 
And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about. That uneasy tension is kind of there so long as the mother is, is around. But then that tension actually kind of alleviates in the film for me throughout the period where the mother's gone until it starts being the, the pressure of the authoritative figure who can split them apart comes back. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it starts getting tense again as the mother looms closer. And... I think it's now's as good a time to talk about it as any. One of the other things that I think definitely gives it a horror vibe, but plays a big part into kind of how it chooses to do abstract storytelling is when you have the moments where uh, Marianne is kind of walking around throughout the house and she keeps kind of being haunted by the yeah. vision of Eloise in her wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, I was watching, I was like, I feel like that's supposed to be her wedding gown, but you know, we're not, we don't know yet. So I was watching, like, is, is this supposed to be indicative of this looming day where she's going to be taken away from her and of course as we come to see when the mother comes back the first thing that happens is heloise is getting put into that that gown so but that plays into that where it's like that starts to happen more and more as the mother's return comes closer and closer because that's the day of you know knowing that they can't continue this yeah sure. and that was that was cool but it, it was cool to see the tension stacked and then see the tension completely cut and then see it kind of slowly boil back to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, that th- those scenes reminded me of Parasite, the mm. uh, guy on the stairs. <laughs> yeah, that was the first yeah. thing I thought of. Was that <laughs> one of the scariest things I've seen in a movie in years? Is the guy on the stairs? <laughs> yeah, that's the only scene I can imagine why people were calling that movie a horror movie. Because yeah. that dude's eyes were fucking wild. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, for me though i i felt like the tension eased and i think this this is where i guess actually let me rephrase where did you guys feel like the um the tension kind of stopped because brett i know you had brought that up where you felt that way so where what scene was it that did that for you to me i think it's the mother leaves and i think that the i mean you feel little hints of the pressure not being there when the mother's not around throughout the day but mm-hmm. she clearly still has a presence there and is getting updates from marianne and it's like the pre- it's always there lingering a little too close and i feel like the first time you really feel it let up in a way that feels like you can breathe for a while is whenever the mother leaves and you kind of see the three girls kind of pulled together and just almost change the way that they act because of that lack of of pressure and that that yeah. tension being almost gone and it doesn't mean that there wasn't other tense moments because i mean in that freedom we also got the reveal of uh, pregnancy of sophie and then sophie going through the abortion and kind of everything that came along with that and there was a lot of pain in there but it was pain that was like underlied with a sense of as much as this is tense and painful, it's also like the pure freedom because she had to keep saying like, you know, I have to have the mother gone to be able to deal with this because she knew what would happen otherwise. And that was to me that all the girls kind of just coming together and starting to almost become sisterly was like, Oh, it's gone. Like you can feel a camaraderie amongst everybody. So it's interesting to me is I feel like it, doesn't let up until they kiss that to me was like the Mm. well oh it's jason's first kill kind of kind of feeling where like you're going through this whole movie waiting for it to happen because that was not that was the thing for me it wasn't so much like tension it was more like you're building up towards something you know is going to happen like when you're watching friday the 13th you know this whole time that jason is going to start killing these camp counselors and you're watching him just walk through the woods and you're watching them shoot arrows and you're all this kind of stuff 
and then 20 minutes into the movie jason cuts someone's head off while they're having sex you know what i mean and that to me was more how this movie felt like a horror movie to me where you're watching this whole everything play out and you're knowing like there's these guys are gonna get together obviously if you know what the movie is about you knew that but just i think that that's the part where um like yes you're right when watching the movie you would spoil that it was hella gay (laughs) (laughs) so i think the problem is is that immediately going into it it was oh they're gonna get together i can't exist in the world where i got to watch this movie with nothing more than this is a movie we're watching and then watching it being like who are these people what are they doing i am curious if i myself would have picked up on them getting together eventually or if the only reason that expectation lingered in my head is because of the pre-knowledge you gave me it was a great movie either way so that the spoiling of that didn't matter in the grand scheme of things it's just a curiosity of i don't i think i'm i wonder if i would have experienced the movie in a different way and if i would have even been like oh yeah because you're right when they kiss definitely going into the movie knowing that that's coming there is that moment of like oh finally yeah and and like you said it is there's still a tension between them up until that because you see her kind of run off and kind of fighting it until it comes together and that is i guess you're right that is the moment the tension fully breaks yeah. uh between the two of them at least but i wonder if what i wonder what i would have felt watching it entirely free of that knowledge i don't know because not that you're wrong you know because that's just how you felt about it but for me like i knew that going into purchasing the movie so you know months ago when i bought it so just having that knowledge for me especially didn't change anything because it was more of like kind of exactly what i was saying you know i don't i don't go into a friday the 13th movie like oh i wonder if jason's gonna kill anyone in this movie you know and that was kind of the same way i went into this where it was like i know that this is going to happen you know it's kind of the same way with anything and i again your feelings aside it's more just how to me it's like you go to batman and you know oh this is the first batman movie his parents are gonna die or any of that kind of stuff jason's gonna kill someone freddy's gonna come out of a wall all of this kind of stuff like you know going into the movie and i think for me that didn't didn't like knowing that having that knowledge wouldn't have changed anything and i think for me i think it was personally clear even if i hadn't known that specific plot point like you were i was watching the way they were looking at each other and i'm like okay these guys are gonna these guys are fucking you know because that's one of the things i found the most interesting about this movie is if you look at this from a lens of if one of if this had just been a movie about straight people you know it would have played out almost the same way in my opinion if that makes sense i mean so i guess this is where you're losing me i think that you're right to the degree that when you know it's you you come to the expectation like you mentioned with a horror movie where you're like well i know this is horror but i think if i wasn't told anything about that i think the movie does a really good job of for people who had no clue what it was going in like Mm -hmm. a true a true random view someone who just walked into a theater and was like you know assuming this is in theaters but walked into a theater and was like that sounds interesting like all all they do is see a picture you know the classic all is a picture and a tagline and you're like okay i'm gonna go watch that yeah i don't think i don't know that it would be immediately apparent to everybody that it was building towards that because the cover of the story actually works pretty well you see the way that that marianne looks at eloise 
and Eloise and kind wonder, of returns like, that, but you're looking and you're like, oh, well, see, of course she's looking at these. She's having to intimately study this person to paint them without sit without actually having them pose like again so the beginning moments it's there and then when you have the afterwards like well is that how you really see me i think that again i knew so i was like well i know where this is going but i think there's an argument for the movie doing a decent job of being like this is more about her feeling like oh you're you're you didn't paint the true version of me you didn't paint me as who i am you paint me as who you have cobbled together through these random glances of seeing me for not who i am but what you see before you yeah and it's like it's almost like expressing that the painting is uh emotionless it's it's lifeless because it doesn't carry the charisma be it positive or whatever that eloise naturally carries so again i just think that there's a, a way that this movie plays out to where if you don't know it it's not like oh this is a horror movie whereas even the very first thing that happens in like a Freddy or J- a Freddy movie, a Jason movie, even if you don't know what they are, the tone's set pretty early. Music, little you know, flashbacks at like the beginning of uh, Friday the Thirteenth, uh, being the kid coming in and stabbing the people. It's like the tone is set early. This movie does a good job of hiding it. Yeah, it could definitely yeah, come no, off I, as just kind of a regular drama, not necessarily like a romance film. But yeah. I do think, to your point about a person walking into a theater and just seeing the poster, I think the tagline for the movie does give it away. What is yeah. the tagline? Because I don't know. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine walking into a theater, seeing a picture of like her with the dress on fire, and then down in like really elegant writing, it just says "Hellegation." <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, the tagline is on an isolated island in Brittany. So the movie takes place in Brittany. Um, (laughs) At the end of the 18th century, a female painter is obliged to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman. So you're right. I guess I'll give you that credit of... That sounded sexual as hell. The tagline is don't regret, (laughs) remember. I would would think that sounds more like... Okay, well, I'm looking at IMDb and that's what it says here. I don't know... If I, I, I'm, whatever, you're, you're probably right. This is more of a description, but if it's a paragraph, it's probably not the tagline of the poster. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Though. Well, I have the poster hanging on my wall, and there's no tagline. Yeah, the, the tagline is dazzling entertainment weekly. <laughs> so <laughs> under that, uh, says, that choice of word, that choice of word is pretty sus. Under that though, it says "Hellagation Midweek Matinee." <laughs> Yeah, that would be fucking incredible (laughs) if we could get a print of that of the same poster but with that instead Um, but no I think the thing for me is like I guess I knew it so everything I was seeing was colored by that you're probably right but I think there were lines from Marianne that kind of gave away that she was gay and then um Heloise, just the way she was looking at her, you could tell that she was interested. You know, so I think just in that way, you could kind of look at it and be like, okay, this was kind of clear. But I do I see I think both of us there. are just on the benefit of the doubt side of yeah, we I don't mean, know the exact truth of being able to go in completely without the knowledge, but we do at least know going in with completely in the knowledge. So you just... Yeah, I get it. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just... Part, it's part, of, part of that is that room. the... 
conversation around that movie was entirely about the re- lesbian relationship. And so, I've never heard of the movie until you said it. So, right, so. That, that's a good example. I think that for whatever reason, you bought it probably based on conversation that you happened to hear about it. Right. Whereas all, I, I, I never did. Make sure yeah. everyone in the audience knows I bought this because it was supposed to be very good. Has nothing to do with the fact that it's about <laughs> a bunch of lesbians having sex in a house. I don't okay. know. I mean, I, I can know. get that for free. I bought it for That's both. true. The sex is a lot more high quality. <laughs> but this is more raw, more real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this isn't, oh, stepsister, you're stuck under the bed. Let me see if I can stick my legs between your legs and pull you out. Oh, no, we're both stuck. Guess we got to <laughs> occupy some time. Now let's just um, see if we can wiggle out. <laughs> <laughs> Stop hitting me. No, um... It's not an episode of Midweek Matinee if we don't devolve into some odd porn talk. But no, I, I get your point because it was kind of the same thing we said during the Bliss episode where... I was going to bring that up, yeah. I would I would have buyed your, or I would have bought your absolutely insane point that you don't think she's a vampire if Blake hadn't told me that, she, that the movie was a vampire movie. I might have been more willing to hear it. So I get what you're saying exactly i know like it's hard to think about it but you have that thing where it's like the whole movie is like well clearly this bitch is a vampire because blake said she well, let's is. just from now on <laughs> when we say what movie we're doing next no descriptions just say the title no how about for every movie it. moving forward we say hella gay shit <laughs> <laughs> um blake's so what what are you what is your opinion on all of that you know i think going into it like you could mistake it for a drama if you didn't know anything about it and not necessarily know that mm-hmm. it's like a romance movie i guess yeah for sure i went into it having seen the trailers and seeing like all the hype about it on twitter like for the last year and a half so i've been very excited to see it and so i like y'all i knew going into it about it so it's hard to say really like how i would have perceived the tension without knowing that i guess yeah i do want to talk about one thing if you don't mind please please take it away the music or lack thereof yes i like that a lot am i mistaken because i kept trying to hear music and then I would forget no to hear it. In the movie. Yeah, except when she played the piano, and then they were singing in the very end. Yes, and the the village, the when she's the lady on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's is there like musical instruments during that, or is it just them singing? Well, it's them clapping. It's just them. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's I mean it's acapella, I suppose, is what you would. Call yeah, it's still point, like but, music, yeah. but I just was curious if there was instruments or anything throughout. Um, yeah, there wasn't like a score, right? And I didn't know that going in, so that was really cool. Neither did I. And I didn't realize it until she started playing the piano that first time, and I was like, mm-hmm. wait, I'm like 40 minutes into this movie and didn't know there wasn't music? Because <laughs> I didn't <laughs> well, recognize until I heard it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was interesting is like I didn't even notice until I was like looking at IMDb, and I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't heard any music yet. And that's it's funny because we've had this conversation before about good versus bad music and like in movies. And this is one of the situations where there was no music and I did not know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that says yeah, a lot about it. It comes the film. down to knowing. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think so as well. I think it's one of those things about knowing when to not use music. And I actually think this movie is much more dramatic and much more poignant in every scene that it's trying to pull off because it just lets you kind of linger in the moment with nothing other than what's happening. It. I, I don't know why, but it feels more like you're getting a peek into some somebody's life because it's not over 
zazzed yeah. up with all this extra stuff. And not to say that that can't be cool. I think Upgrade had a, you know, its music did a good job of making it more fun. But yeah. you don't want this movie to be more fun. You want this movie to be real and gritty and f- you, you want to feel it. And I like that the only times that you hear music is story related. It's like you hear a song that she's trying to play for this girl who feels like she's been living in a coop almost where she hasn't experienced music like this quite. And then at the end, it comes back as like a you're seeing her not necessarily haunted, but you know, kind of like sad, happy crying to an extent about not being able to, uh, to kind of be there with Marianne. Like, you know, when Marianne's kind of just staring at her and the camera lingers on her uncut while the music's going on and you kind of see her close her eyes and you can imagine that she's trying to put herself back to when that happened and trying to put herself in that time period. And you just see the emotions continue to swell. And then occasionally it breaks with like a quick laugh before it turns back into a like mournful, like as much as I'm happy to have had these memories, I'm also sad that I don't have them. It was just very strong use and it's the only times that we hear music and it creates such a big tie and i love that so was that i I wasn't sure was that the same song yes yes it was okay now of course when marianne was playing it it was a lot looser and she even mentioned that she was out of practice but it was the same piece which is why she started like breaking down and crying well, that's what I was trying. I, I, that's why I assumed I was like, "This must be the same song." But there was a lot of me that was like, "What is happening right now?" Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. is this the first time she's music. heard music since Marianne. <laughs> I mean, I think the story did a good enough setup to where even if it wasn't the same piece, which it absolutely was, uh, I think just seeing her kind of view watching music in this sense as something that she knew Marianne would have loved, and calling back to a moment they shared about Marianne sharing her experience of. Her, one of her favorite pieces to hear. I still think that any song could have worked and it's just her being locked in on it as like her tie back to Marianne. But it being the same piece is much more heart-wrenching in like a really happy, sad way. You're like, oh, man, that hits and it hits hard. Mm. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I really I- liked the way the ending came together. I, I was a little, you know, because when I was watching and I had like 20 minutes left and I was like, man, how is this going to end? This feels so weird. Yeah. And... Even leading up into the end, you know, one of the things I thought was really cool is like the last thing that we see before it cuts back to her being in her studio in the modern times Mm -hmm. is um, you see her running down the stairs, you know, kind of like hurryingly trying to leave uh, and then having Eloise run down the stairs and and the door is open at first. And then as she shuts the door, you kind of see the light just leave and the darkness envelop everything i thought that Mm -hmm. was such a cool tie back to how you saw the lights come on whenever she would like be haunted by this day and then it was like a tie-in that was happening in real time instead of being in her head it was very very heart tugging you know it's just which i feel like is true of most of this movie that's what it is is that is that they do such a good job a job of visually conveying a lot of the things that they're wanting to do. I mean, words are used often, but there's a lot of visual cues that they give, even when the girls are just laying against each other and kind of looking at each other. Yeah, definitely. That was, I think kind of the point I was making about before about how, if this was a movie with straight people, it would be, it, you could, you would kind of get the same sense. Cause I think just like certain, certain ways that they were doing things, not that, you know certain ways they're doing things you could see like oh well this is the same way you would have a conversation with your wife or your boyfriend or whatever you know what i mean 
Mm-hmm. And I, I got that vibe when they were just laying in bed talking and like there's a decent amount of nudity in this movie, but none of it felt gratuitous. It was kind of just like it, it felt that scene felt to me like any scene in a Matthew McConaughey rom-com where he's just ta- snuggling with his shirt off, you know? Yeah. They made everything so casual that it just felt like two people, you know? Yeah. Which you had the is, moments but. that felt overtly sexual because they were, and then you had moments where everything in them is the same, but the feeling around it was not matching. And I feel like some of that goes back to that lack of music. There wasn't something trying to um, convince you of something. You know, music a lot of the times is used to convey a mood, and so you can get that feeling of wanting to sexualize something by having heavy racing music. And then they could have made that scene calm by having more relaxing music kind of playing, but the lack of it across the board just kind of makes it where it's more in the facial expressions and the way you see things and how you completely look at it and go, okay, yeah, this is clearly meant to be sexual in nature and them, you know, not being able to pull apart from each other. And then there's them just basking in each other's company yeah, in a very natural sense. Yeah. yeah. It was very well done in that regard. I think the, just the lack of music makes it more, uh, just relatable. You know, it feels, it feels like real life in a lot of ways, but then it also, it do, it doesn't it it goes to show the power of the performances and stuff where they didn't need to tell you how to feel through music you know yeah and I think yes, that's a, exactly. a crush that all music in movies has it's where you know an upgrade if you had taken out all the music and they were still punching you'd still know they were punching but we needed to have a Skrillex soundtrack in the background so that we knew that this was a fight scene. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah, you're right. It, it really blends into being like, well, this is what we want. It's like, you know, it's kind of like a time hold classic, which I mean, it's still true. And this movie does lean on this ex- this aspect of it. But, you know, if you want a viewer to cry, you can you can do all sorts of things. But the most easy way to make someone cry is actually just to show them someone crying. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like you can sit there and try and make very sad and remorseful music, but if you close your eyes and hear that, you may not feel the same, and or it may not be enough to make you break into crying. But the moment that you can see a human, something that you can closely relate to, and you see it crying, it's like, oh. And I feel like that's what this movie leans on is just you seeing things play out with impeccably acted people uh, you know impeccably acted characters and seeing things play out and then you go oh that's that's just what that is like the reason i feel happy right now is because they feel happy and i can right. see that in their general you know body language yeah and that was the thing too is like you going back to the scene of them having their first kiss or whatever you were very much like it was like a sense of relief it was like finally they've they've done it you know, he's taken the Holy Grail yeah. and he got the right cup, you know, that kind of thing. Which even yeah, in that no. scene, too much music. <laughs> you know what you know what's crazy about the kiss scenes too? Like yeah. I feel like the movie went out of their way to make every like every kiss scene have like a lot of spit. And it's like you wanna like you when they pull apart from each other, like you see the trails of each other's spit coming. It was very yeah. interesting to me. Like to the point where I'm like, I know they knew that. They they definitely did that on purpose. Oh, for sure. I mean, just one uh, of the girls just has like overworking like saliva glands or something. She can't help it, Brett. <laughs> oh, no. I thought it. I mean, it, it adds a lot to the power of the moment. I feel like it feels almost like a more impassioned kiss because of that. I know that yeah. sounds no, weird, I agree. but it no, just I does. Completely agree. Just giving you a hard time. Like I said, buddy. very, uh, very cruel. And again, intentions. visual cues, no music. You don't. You, you make it strong by just 
which I mean, there's there's like sound effects in the in the scenes help, like when they're on the beach and you hear like the the water kind of lowly going in the background. The sounds of nature help, but primarily it's just that it, it, most of what makes the movie strong is the visual cues. Definitely, and you could even look at it incredibly pretentiously and be like oh it's just symbolism of every fiber of their being wants to stay connected as long as humanly possible mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you can you can find all sorts of ways to fancy file that up i can actually imagine the way that an author would go about trying to write that in i mean i feel like that's exactly you know a lot of the times the movies don't have to rely on doing exactly what this movie does and which is being overly visual in what they're doing whereas a lot of the times in books what you do is you are overly visual so if you want someone to feel like it's an impassioned kiss you'll kind of go into detail about what's happening to the kiss like her her lip furled as the other lip you know collided and it you can say all this stuff and then you can do that and their spit strands came apart like every fiber of them you know like you were just saying you can find ways to amp that up but then you can also do those things visually it's just a lot of the times because you can see it you don't have to go to the extreme but when you use a visual cue and then also give it an interesting flair that almost seems like something you'd read about, yeah, it's like, oh, that's cool. That's a, that's really interesting. And they could have just kissed, and it still probably would have worked because it's a kiss. But it felt more powerful by being like, you know, it would be really interesting if we made sure the kiss has like a spittle that's just <laughs> pulling apart. <laughs> Fuck. That word is so It weird. sounds kind of gross to talk about, but in the moment, I feel like you, you're like, yes, yes, this is like, I get it. I get what's going well, on. Well, if you were in love with yeah, somebody, it wasn't like, like, in that moment, you wouldn't care. Oh, of yeah. course you so, wouldn't. Yeah. It makes sense, yeah. I mean, don't, don't mind getting spit on. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, where's Casey Anthony when you need her? Uh, Florida, I think. <laughs> a bartender no she's a pi last i heard really i don't follow her life at all (laughs) i mean she got away with murder she's low-key one of the best probably one of the best pis of all time (laughs) this is how i would have done it and they didn't do it this way it's definitely them (laughs) um yeah i see now you guys are right like there really isn't a crazy amount to talk about. I think the only thing we should really get into is maybe the relationship with Sophie. Um, yeah. Blake, how would you take that away? I don't know. I just think that, you know, at first it seemed like she was just like, I don't know if I'm using the right word, like maid or like housekeeper or something. Yeah, she was a servant. Servant, yeah. Um, but like as they were there together and they all three bonded, you know, they all three became good friends, it seemed like, at least towards the end. Good enough friends, yeah. you know, to... Like, help her get an abortion and all that stuff, so... And wake up and, like, walk however far that village is. I don't know, but, you know... Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that their relationship had an interesting turn throughout the movie. All right, how about you, Brett? Why don't you give me some thoughts on Sophie? I like Sophie's character just because I think it showed that... I think it did a lot to ground our characters in a sense of setting up what I was talking about and where... The females weren't as, besides the mother, of course, the one who had, who stood the gain the most and had and was older and was looking for some sense of like comfort in her elden age as she has that conversation with Marianne about going uh, back to Milan by by way of her daughter and how it's good for her too. Uh, so outside of the mother, I feel like what's cool about that is that Sophie 
has this servant like thing, but then when Sophie's or when the mother's gone, it's almost like the girls all really, like have this cool part where they're okay with being able to take care of themselves and kind of get on the same level as Sophie where it's like, no one's better than anybody. You know, this is just your position. And right now us being all girls who are, you know, under the thumb of some form of authoritarianism, this is our moment to kind of be the great equalizer for everybody. So I thought Sophie was cool in that regard and kind of seeing the problems that come from that, like seeing a girl who clearly is out having promiscuous sex, even though she's probably not supposed to and trying to deal with that in the hush. I think it made her, I don't want to say an endearing character because I know abortions are really hot topic for a lot of reasons. And there were probably much more reasons as to why abortion was frowned upon or even just general pregnancy was frowned upon in that uh, that time period, definitely when you may not have been married. So there's a lot of stuff that comes through the story and kind of getting you in touch. But I just thought little things like seeing Eloise come and chop her own bread and cheese and eat it and not feel like every single time they have to be served was kind of cool. Like it doesn't mean that it's completely lost. You see scenes where Eloise goes up to her room um, after – she kind of realizes i think that i think it was after the kiss i'm trying to remember the exact order of events but she you have the thing where she runs back i think it's it is after the kiss i'm fairly positive but if one of you know she runs back up to her room and marianne's eating and sophie starts putting the stuff out and she has three plates but she only puts food on two of them yeah and in that sense sophie is kind of still acting as like a caregiver and a servant but because of the way the movie sets it up i feel like it's in more of a friendly way of like oh you know there are some expectations that come from what our relationship is with each other on a day-to-day basis but at the same time we can all come together and be in one level um and even small stuff like i don't know if it was from because of the actress and it wasn't really that way but sophie seemed young yes yeah she seemed like 15 or 16 probably yeah and i don't know why but there was something so endearing to me about marianne agreeing to go help her and like and come with her about the abortion and having to deal with that and how she said she was going to and then the morning of after eloise and uh, marianne have kind of had their overnight powwow as we're gonna call it um (laughs) i thought it was really cool that like they're laying in bed and you know she ends up Met, uh, she ends up like knocking on the door and being like are you no longer wanting to come it's like she still had that scaredness of like you know i don't want to do this alone yeah i just that's what it was to me she was a in a character that i think allowed some I, I don't think that this movie works as well with only two people i know that sounds weird but i think having sophie in the mix ends up giving opportunities for them two to come closer to each other does that make yeah. sense no absolutely it's almost like she's setting it up <laughs> <laughs> kind of you know because you we were talking earlier about going into the movie knowing what it was um she kind of mentions like oh why does she do this why does she do that why does she hate this i thought it was gonna be funny if it was like there was another painter here but he she wouldn't pose for him it's like do you know why and you know sophie ends up saying she doesn't know but i was like would it be funny if it's like well she doesn't really like men if you catch my drift <laughs> <laughs> yeah i but, agree it didn't come down to that. I just thought it was interesting. I had this feeling where in my mind I felt like there's I have two versions. I feel like there's a part of this movie where even Eloise was unsure if she was a lesbian prior to meeting Marianne. Mm-hmm. Then I have this version where she has like she has known and Sophie was abreast of that and Sophie was kind of like you said like not setting it up but almost like acting in a weird way as a facilitate as facilitating between them. Yeah. 
Yo, I got someone for you. Yeah, but I thought it was also interesting that I mean it's it's interesting that Sophie clearly knows what's going on. There's almost no way she wouldn't, but she's never around them. I mean, it's meant to be intimate, so that makes sense. But it also gives me this subconscious feeling of like, are they hiding it from Sophie to a degree? I don't know. I see I almost got the sense that they weren't even hiding it from the mother. That was kind of my thing where <laughs> we had mentioned earlier how it seemed like um they were waiting for the mother to leave and that it would be frowned upon and to me it almost the movie almost portrayed it like it wouldn't be frowned upon nobody nobody gives a shit it's just that she's still getting given to a man whether she's gay or whatever she is exactly yeah and that's what i saying. that's why i didn't feel like this movie has strong anti-lesbian tones it's almost like it's more about the fact that it was she couldn't go off and be happy doing what she wanted to do even if she had fallen in love with another man like you know yeah. like like you mentioned the story's less like the the fact that that's what it is is interesting because of the fact that we know in that time period that that would have probably been frowned upon but the story still works just by the nature of it's it's not about who how she's happy and i don't think the mom cares i think the mom knows cuz she keeps mentioning what well, she talks about you she likes you right and I think she's aware, but she's like, but at the end of the day, you know, we still got to follow this tradition and I've still got to live a comfortable life by you marrying into somebody and it'll be good for you. And there's all that parent justification as to why you're doing something that's kind of fucked up, mm -hmm. but you, you swear it's for the benefit of your kid, even though in a lot of ways it's probably just for the benefit of you. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, so I think the last thing I wanted to just mention before we kind of close out was I did really like the scene of, Marianne seeing the painting of Heloise and her daughter and then noticing the 28. That was, to me, a really good callback and that kind of really set the emotion of the ending for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought that was just a really excellent detail. Um, does anyone else have anything they want to close out on? On that page number, did you notice it before the camera made it obvious? I'm trying to remember, but I feel like I did, yeah. I did too. As soon as I saw it and I saw the book in her hand, I said, that says 28, doesn't it? And yeah, I was closer. And see, I said, uh -huh. okay. I didn't notice the 28, but I was count for some reason. I was counting, trying to count the pages. Oh, like, to see if you could see 28 yeah. were there. Like if it was even more subtle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like she's uh, holding open the 28th page. That like, actually oh, no. would have been kind of cool if it wasn't written there, but it was just more like you could yeah. count 28 pages built up or 27 yeah. pages. Exactly exactly yeah, that that have been kind of cool actually but it, i think it, it's cool that it's there anyway because it's almost like oh it's just a painter who really cares about detail but then you get to kind of imagine your head like no when this painting was taking place she probably was very aware like i want this included like you know this is important to me right and you almost wonder like what do you say to the painter like oh i just really love i really love the number 28 so i, I want it on this page <laughs> Yeah. She snuck in after the um, painter left and put it on there herself. Honestly, that wouldn't even surprise me because if you look at it, it's not. I'm not gonna say it's it's like ugly, but it feels haphazardly placed. Yeah, you know, it's almost like <laughs> oh, diagonally yeah, almost like it was placed there. Yeah, and it's almost like it was added afterwards. Exactly, like she went like, in and was like 28. And I imagine that she probably was really holding and posing the book with that page open and then i can imagine her being upset that the painter didn't include that detail right absolutely um 
it just calls back to that conversation of them being in bed and being like, you know, when when Marianne's sketching out like the little uh, amulet drawing of her that looks like it's going to kind of go inside of a what do they call those? I don't know why I can't think right now. Um, but regardless, the necklace she was thing. looking at that. Yeah, but there's a, a locket. There we go. Yes, that's uh, that. it was almost like a giant locket <clears throat> portrait of her, which is cool. And she was mentioning how you know. It was a good line too of you know eventually when you think of me you'll think of the of the drawing yeah and it's funny because it's like when you think of me it's going to get to a point where you don't even remember the real me you remember this version of me that you made but it's almost like she says it in a happy sense like because mm. she's she knows at this moment like you've painted me as you see me and that's what i want um but you know her even kind of being like but you you eventually you'll think of her but i won't have anything yeah Which and I I like. that was really yeah the only thing that was weird about that scene is when it was like super zooming in when it was showing the mirror resting like against the crotch of eloise it almost looked cgi because of how crazy the depth of field was i was like this is too much it almost looks like you blurred this on purpose and just just to single out the mirror so that people's eyes will go there and it wouldn't surprise me if that was actually true because then a couple of like scenes later or a couple of shots later suddenly you see eloise in the mirror with no problem like none of it's super blurred out yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't notice that. I so think it was just—it was an odd framing choice. I think it was done to draw your eye to the mirror, but I feel like a mirror naturally against a still object and seeing something move is going to do that anyway. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, Blake, did you have anything else you wanted to close out the hella gay episode of Midweek Madness on? <laughs> no, I think I've pretty much covered everything. Like I said, I love the movie, right. but I just don't have a lot to say about it, unfortunately. Uh, Brett, how about you? I'm good. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Midweek Matinee. Blake, rate the movie. Four and a half stars out of five. Fuck you. Brett, rate the movie. <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I think that the fuck you is because it's not a five. That would be right. <laughs> I there's I'm torn. I want to give it a five, but I'm also like, but is it perfect? Yes. Well, I don't think five means perfect, but I also don't think well, that this no. movie has the replay value that I use on fives. Like when I give someone a five, I think that you know, even if I've only seen it once, I think there's a chance that I'll watch it, you know, again and enjoy it and continue watching it a lot. Yeah, I think there's certain things that you give a five to with the understanding of the five almost being taken away from if you ever choose to watch it again. Well, didn't we have this argument where you got upset? that I asked you why you would give a five to a movie that you wouldn't watch again. We had this Dude, fight me? earlier in the show's run. I remember. Are you talking about me? No, Blake. Yeah, for Irreversible. Oh, okay, yeah. Right. So how how can you make that argument now? That's very confusing to me. Because I think Irreversible is a better movie, and so I just pushes it over the edge for me regardless. Yeah, okay, that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. <laughs> um, Brett, what's your rating? <laughs> it's like objectively oh. the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Brett, what is your rating? Oh, you know what? I, I I really actually did mean to ask something. Did anybody pick up on the fact of the painting that she did that she submitted in her father's name was a callback to them reading with Sophie about the book between the story of Orpheus and Eurydice? No, I did not. Oh, you didn't realize that? No. Oh, the guy who comes and stops and actually says something about the painting, 
mentions it too. He goes, you know, this is a brilliant thing of Orpheus. Normally you see him after he's already turned, but here it's like you're capturing the middle of saying goodbye, which is an exact tie to the story of what they were reading and like how they interpreted it. And then it ends up kind of being an overarching thing for the movie's theme as well. I thought that was just a cool thing. I should have said that earlier, but it just crossed my mind for some reason. But you know what? Because I've said that, I'm going to go back. This movie's a five, damn it. It's a good movie. It's, I mean, honestly, it's a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. Even if I never watch it again, I think that parts of this movie will stick with me forever. Absolutely. Yeah, the movie's a five out of five. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> good. So five fives or three fives. That's cool. Two weeks in a row for me. Let's go. Yeah. So, Brett, yo, movie. Oh. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and spoil And why it. is your choice the whole Lord of the Rings extended trilogy? How about we keep it going about love? Because that's what we're doing so far. We're going to keep these February films up as being <laughs> love-related. And so we're going to watch I Love You, Philip Morris. So are we doing a love theme for February? A, a love theme, and then, of course, we have guests. So it's like we're, sh- we're, we're, we're sharing the love. All right. Well, guys, thank you for joining us on Midweek Matinee. Remember, if you want to find us on social media, you can head over to Twitter and find us at uh, matinee slash or not matinee slash matinee <laughs> underscore, underscore midweek. midweek. I don't know why that's really sounded weird to me, but yeah, you can find us at matinee underscore midweek. You can find Chris if you want to yell at him specifically about whatever hot take he may have had today that you didn't agree with. Uh, maybe it's Casey. Blake's Anthony. the one with the maybe fucking hot about, take this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can find good. him at figz21k <laughs> over on twitter you can find my man blake over at popes underscore blake underscore 92 on twitter you can find me on uh, the twitter for our weekly playstation podcast triangle square to playstation podcast and if you want to yell at me about a movie and confuse a number of people go for it that sounds good to me uh, you can hit that up if you want to watch that weekly podcast that i do and occasionally chris joins me on as it seems to be now as well as our side series spoiler chats head over and check those out we would love to see you kind of move over into that and lastly if you want to support the show with more than just your time which we are always so thankful for head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month that helps to support the show and doing so directly means that there's less need for us to go out and uh, beg people for money on the advertising side of things instead we just get to go hey you like our stuff consider paying for it which is a pretty cool setup so the last thing that we like to do there, outside of giving our patrons early access to this show, no matter how much you give, you can get it on Friday instead of the following Wednesday that everyone else gets it on. We also shout out our patrons at the end of all of our content. And today, we're going to start with a shout out of our newest patron this month, Mr. Mark Schutz. Then we're going to do Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Sanderud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Shabib, Jason Clendenning, and Richard Schaefer. Thank you guys so much. Yay. Good episode, boys. Yay. Talking hella gay.
Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm.